This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Adam Donier. My name is Adam Donier. I am a part of the teaching team here at Woodland Hills. I love this church, love the family, love the leadership and everything we get to do. If you just walked in for the first time in three weeks, we started a new series called Armor. If you didn't get that video, it gets me out of breath just watching it. Uh, But we have made it all the way up to the breastplate of righteousness today. And and it's fun because if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, where we take this whole armor of God from, at 6.11 it says, put on the whole armor of God. And and then it doesn't say put on again until 6.14 when it actually talks about put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, so I, wanted to, I don't want to give you an overview because Ted did a phenomenal job of doing that two weeks. But I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the type of armor that, that Paul was really talking about. Like these, these were Roman guards. And so when he was using the illustration of an armor, he was talking about like Roman guards. And no, I'm not going to put this on. You can, you can imagine what I look like with it. Uh, but the helmet of salvation, right? So, so the helmet of salvation and then, and then Ted and Travis did a masterful job last week talking about this belt of truth, right? So what's really interesting about the belt of truth that they talked about is they didn't wear britches back then. They didn't have pants. So, so the belts weren't to keep their pants up. They didn't have pants. They were man skirts. Okay. And so, and so there's this, there's this belt of truth, but what the belt of truth did is if you look at these side lashes here on the armor, it kept everything else together. So it kept the breastplate together, it kept the helmet together, because they were all connected, a part of this armor. And so without the belt of truth, everything else fell apart. And that's why Paul kicks off with it, and that's why Ted and Travis connected it last week. As you see, it even perfectly ties in, to, it connects with all these as well, the sword of the Spirit, right? Which you guys are going to hear from. And then what we're talking about today is it says, it's the only, out of all this armor of God, it's the only one that says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. But there's something you guys really got to catch here if you've never seen this in Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. Okay? Is everything you've seen is forward-facing. It's protecting you on the front. So what in the world do you do about the backside? And that's why we believe at Woodland Hills that community and starting point and all those things are so important because if I'm going to battle, if you know anyone in the military, they say, I got your six. Right? Because if a 12 is here at clock, who's got my six behind me? And you get in community so people have your back against this enemy, the devil, who's trying to take you out. So we're going to talk about putting on. Now, some of you here grew up in the 50s. Some of you grew up in the 60s. Some of you grew up in the 70s. Some of you, at one point, some of you in here put on something that looked a little bit like this. Okay? Do I got any poodle skirt wearers? Like you were going back, yeah, come on, mama. Come on, I love it. Yes, you had a poodle skirt. I knew it. I knew it. Hey, how about here, right? Little nanny, the, uh, the, the crazy wizard lady, a little bit in the 60s, a little more hippies, touched in the hippies era. Any people in here willing to admit they were hippies? I'm in a room with a bunch of liars, right? You asked if I asked if you smoked weed. I just asked if you were a hippie. So that's all I asked. I didn't ask if you smoked weed. I just said, were you a hippie? That's all I'm asking, right? And then my era, any 80s babies? Come on, 80s. Yes, yes, I legitimately had a pants that color and looked just like that. No joke. I have pictures to prove it, okay? 90s, 90s babies in here? Yeah, a couple 90s babies, little twists in fashion and everything else. And then everything's gotten slimmer and tighter in the 2000s. So, hey, I'm, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a picture. Don't, don't judge me. It, it's, it's what I put on when I was 18-year-old birthday, okay? 18 years old. I got in a fight with hydrogen peroxide with my hair. I had my ears pierced. Hey, I said don't judge. That's what I put on, okay? Some of you hippies still want to move to Colorado because you enjoyed the 70s so much, okay? So you stop it. You stop. So I had bleached hair. The best part about this is when your hair grew out, you had frosted tips. It was amazing. It was awesome. No, I obviously had a fad with Eminem. Thought it was. Yes, that's a hemp necklace, okay? Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. No longer wear hemp necklaces, okay? But, but we do. You woke up this morning and you put on clothes, thankfully, or I wouldn't be able to stand up here with a straight face, okay? But when you woke up, you all decided to put something on. You picked your outfit, you put on your shoes, you put on your clothes, you put everything on, right? And so it's crazy because you too have an opportunity every day when you wake up to put on, as scripture says, it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so we, we need to talk about what is this breastplate of righteousness? And no, just so you know, my abs don't really look like this, so you don't have to worry, okay? But, but, but to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Look what it says here. What is the breastplate of righteousness? The breastplate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus at the cross. So there's something really important to understand here, okay? So, so righteousness is to be viewed as morally just or justifiable. So how are we justified? Because you and I both know we can't produce righteousness on our own. And when we try, it's a mindless trap. Right? And so this idea that, that Jesus gives us this righteousness through the cross is a powerful thing, right? None of us in here can earn or put this righteousness on us. It's imputed to us. Well, what does that word imputed means? It means it was attributed to us through Christ, which is really good news, Woodland Hills, because what that means is regardless of all the junk and everything we've ever done, that when a holy and righteous God looks at us, for those who are in Christ, that trust him as their Lord and Savior, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your junk. He sees the imputed righteousness of Christ, and we get an opportunity to put that righteousness on every day by reminding ourselves of the gospel, right? The scripture puts it this way. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, which is Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. So we're talking about this breastplate of righteousness in the armor of God. And it's one of our key verses in our church. And Ted uses it a lot. Is it Proverbs 4.23? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Well, what is a breastplate guard for, for a, a soldier? All its vital organs. My lungs are in here. My kidneys are in here. My heart is in here. It protects all of my vital organs. This breastplate does, right? And most specifically, it protects the thing that God wants the most. God doesn't want your works. He doesn't want your efforts. He doesn't want you just to give your money to feel better about yourself. He he doesn't want any of these things. He wants your heart. And this breastplate protects one of the most vital organs in your body, which is your heart. And it's important to know that our own righteousness are no match for Satan's attacks. So so we have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. We have to be careful to think that we can produce righteousness on our own. You know that's what separates Christianity from every other worldview, religion, and cult. Man, what a liberating thought. 
Every other worldview and religion and cult thinks you have to go knock on more doors, do more works, fly planes into towers, or whatever case may be. You have to produce more. You have to do more. You have to earn your way into heaven. What a cumbersome task for anybody. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I did it. I died on the cross for your sins. I did the work on Calvary so that you don't have to work for your salvation. As a matter of fact, it's a free gift. You either believe it or you don't. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to do more. You don't have to check more boxes. You don't have to get into more Bible studies. You don't have to study more scripture. Now, those things will produce themselves in you no matter what when you choose to put on the breastplate of righteousness, but they are not contingent for your salvation. Jesus did it. Jesus paid the price. Jesus did the work. Right? Period. And so, Isaiah 64, 6 says this. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds, whatever works we try to attain to God, achieve God, whatever, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. To to give you an illustration, that's referring to a woman on her menstrual cycle from a commentary, okay? That's what God sees our righteous deeds that are trying to earn favor or salvation with him. He says, all your righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. David said it another way in Psalm 51. After he blew it with Bathsheba, he messed up. He had an affair, he killed someone to try to cover it up. It was horrible, it was horrific. And David says in Psalm 51, 16 and 17, his repentant psalm after he blew it and realized he's not righteous, he said, God, you do not delight in burnt offerings or sacrifices. To put it another way, you don't delight in me trying to earn my righteousness. He says, no, 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 God, the delight of you is a broken and contrite heart. How'd you come in here today? Does he have your heart? Because he wants your heart far above your efforts and your works and you trying to attain something that's impossible to attain. Okay, Satan wants us to believe you can earn and produce righteousness apart from Christ. Are you producing good works or acts because you're trying to feel better about yourself? Or are you producing healthy fruit because you're abiding in the true vine who produces that fruit within you? There's a big difference. And, and you can run in the little hamster ball and the, and the rat race and the wheel. And you can keep your whole life trying to earn this righteousness and try to get this righteousness and attain this righteousness. And you will never wake up feeling like you're completely satisfied or secured. Because only the breastplate of righteousness that you can put on through Jesus Christ is ever going to make you feel protected and safe and guard. And take care of your most vital organ, which is your heart. This video puts it another way. Check it out. You. Look at your eyes. Look at them. Speckled. Colorful. Each one unique. And I created every one of them. I created everything. The universe. And you. I gave you your personality. I made you pure. And every day, I give you life. I love you. But something happened. You cheated on me. 
You didn't trust me. You sinned. You cut yourself off from me. And although you're still alive, you were slowly dying. So you looked for other things. To fill the void. But nothing works. It just kills you faster. And it separates us more and more. And so there's a song some of you have sang in this church and know, and, and it's from Matt Maher, and it's, Lord, I need you. And there, there's a line in there that is so powerful, and it, and it says, my one defense, what? My righteousness, right? And, and it's referring to Jesus. He's my one defense and the only place I will ever, ever be declared righteous, right? And so Christ imputes his breastplate of righteousness to us because your breastplate will not protect you in time of battle. 
It will not protect you no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you try to look, no matter how much money you give, no matter how many things you do. Your breastplate will not protect you. Only Christ is my defense. My only righteousness will my heart be protected. Will my soul be protected? Will my life be protected from the enemy? Because the enemy hates you. And by the way, Woodland Hills, there's one person in this world you're allowed to hate. No, it's not your boss. There's one person in this world you're allowed to hate. No, it's not your ex. There's one person in this world that you and I are allowed to hate And he hates you, and you can hate him back, and it's the devil. And he hates you, and he hates your family, and he hates your your kids. He hates everybody, and you're allowed to hate him back. And he wants you to think that you have to earn this, that you have to do something to get it, that you have to do something different. And he wants you to think somehow that your own breastplate will protect you, that your smarts and your money, that somehow that will protect you, that somehow you'll overcome addiction on your own, that somehow you'll pull yourself out of the mud and mire on your own, that somehow that by yourself you'll be able to stand stronger. He wants you to believe that because he hates you. And nothing apart from Christ will be able to do that. Nothing apart from Christ. Pastor Matt Nelson says it this way, without truth, there's the belt of truth that Travis and Ted talked about last week. Our righteousness will be based upon our own attempts to impress God. This leads to legalism or self-condemnation. So one of the two. So either you realize that you can't attain to this ability to earn God's righteousness and so you're self-condemning yourself. And because of that, you wake up and you're sad and you feel this weight and this burden you can't. Or you think you've been doing such an awesome job following Jesus for so long that I need to come polish your halo. And you think somehow you forget what it was like before you too came to know Jesus. And quite frankly, that turns a lot of people off from this amazing Lord and Savior known as Jesus. That somehow you think you have it all together, that you've earned your own righteousness, that you're better than someone because you do more Bible studies or you've memorized more scripture. That just is is not an aroma of Christ that we hope to give off. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't save you on the day you understood the gospel and came to know you. He's saving you. You and I need to remind ourselves of the gospel every single day. And here's the gospel. What does every single one of us in here deserve? Say it like you believe it. What does everyone in here deserve? Death, also known as hell. When you wake up in the morning, sweet Bob, who's one of our greeters last service, says, Adam, you talk way too fast. You got way too much energy. I said, Bob, you know why? I know what he saved me from. I remind myself of the gospel every morning. That's where this energy comes from. I try to slow it down for you guys every week, and I can't. I can't. Jeremiah 29 says the word of God is like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. When I remind myself of the gospel, what I really believe, I truly believe, stand here before you telling you, I deserve death. There is nothing I have done that does the opposite of deserving death. But by his grace alone, him being Jesus, and him imputing this breastplate of righteousness to me, I don't have to taste the sting of death. And when I remind myself of that truth, that biblical truth, every single morning, whoo, does it eliminate a whole lot of legalism in my life? Does it eliminate me thinking I'm better than anyone? Oh man, does it draw people in to want to know because I'm not saying, hey man, I'm not better than you. You might smell like a little more smoke than I did 20 years ago now, but but I'm not better than you. You might be struggling with drinking right now, but I'm not better than you, man. I need to remind myself of this gospel every day that Jesus lived the life I should have lived, died the death I deserved to die, defeated the tomb, tasted death, so you and I don't have to. Amen? 
That's what gets away with legalism. The self-condemnation part. He doesn't condemn you. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed your transgressions from you. He doesn't condemn you. Look at what Scripture says about it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Now, there is condemnation for those who don't know Jesus. Let me be crystal clear. And and the enemy doesn't want you to know Jesus. The enemy does not want you to have this breastplate of righteousness that is imputed to you by Jesus. He doesn't want you to know him. Because there is condemnation for those who don't know Jesus. But for those that do know Jesus, there is no condemnation. Not any. How much? None. There's no. That's amazing news, right? John 15, 5 says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is what happens. It's important to know, right? You abide in the true vine, which is Jesus. And you root yourself in him. Good roots, good fruit. Bad roots, bad fruit. Right? It's Jesus that produces these works in you. These acts of righteousness within you. Jesus does the work. So if you are in Jesus, you should be producing fruit. Not in order to attain salvation, but of what he is going to do through you. Right? It's a, it's a symbol of salvation. You can know that you're saved by the fruit that Jesus is producing in you. Right? One of the most encouraging things for me in my life is guys that I've discipled or mentored, and I see them begin to disciple and mentor and, dis- and baptize other young men. That is a disciple cycle. That is Jesus producing fruit in my life and then in their life and so on and so forth. But people came up to Jesus. This is in the gospel. He says, Jesus, yo, Jesus, d- didn't we perform... Many miracles and signs in your name. And Jesus says, get away from me. I never knew you. Because they were performing those signs and miracles for their glory, for them to earn something they can't earn, and to prove something they can't prove. And Jesus said, no, you were doing that for yourself, not because I had your heart. Jesus wants your heart. You give him your heart and you abide in the vine. You spend time at his feet. You, you come before him humbly, reminding yourself of the gospel. And he begins producing fruit in you and fruit that will last for eternity. Right? How do we put on this breastplate of righteousness? Right? So just like you woke up this morning, you put on your outfit and you came to church. How do you put on this breastplate of righteousness? Why would Paul use this terminology if we couldn't actively put on this breastplate of righteousness? There's a couple ways. One, we need to seek him. We need to seek him. We need to diligently seek him. God says, anyone that will seek after me, he will find me. Ask him will be given to me. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to him. We need to seek after him. We need to seek him through prayer. We need to speak, seek him through reading scripture. We need to seek him through communities for people to protect our sick. We need to seek him through, through uh, things that stir our heart's affections for Jesus. We need to seek him. The second one is we need to make him our dwelling place. We need to make him our dwelling place. We need to, we need to make him the mo, most focal, focal point in our lives. We, we need to be more locked in him on anything else. He needs to be more important to us than our 401k. He needs to be more important to us than our kids getting a Division I scholarship in sports. He needs to be more important to us than our kids getting an Ivy League skill. He needs to be more important than getting that boat. He needs to be more important to us than anything in our life. He needs to become our dwelling place. And the last one is we need to delight in him. We need to delight in him. 
Because here's, I'm going to give you scripture now that support all three of these. The first one is seek first him in the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things we add unto you. Do what first? Seek him. I just told you, seek him. Seek him and his righteousness that is imputed to you and all these things will be added unto you. Well, the second one was to dwell with him. Well, look at this. Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Well, I just told you, what happens when you abide in the true vine? You produce fruit. You produce good works. Not as an act of trying to get your salvation, but a work that the Almighty is doing in your life. And the last one was delight in him. Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The first part of that is more important than the latter part of that because your desire desires become his desires when you begin to delight in him. That is how, ladies and gentlemen, we put on this breastplate of righteousness is by seeking him, making him our dwelling place and delighting in him. And as we do those three things, you begin to manifest fruit in your life that you never grasped could be imaginable or possible. Right? And so that's, that's how it works. But, but then the more we put on the breastplate, the more we develop a pure heart that produces fruit and leads us to action. The more we make that a daily habit of either praying before we take off through our hectic day. Here, here's a simple, easy challenge. How many of you in here, just curious and online, how many of you in here have a commute, a, a 10 to 15 minute commute in the morning? You've got to drive to work. I'm just curious. Anybody? How many? Yeah, quite a few of you. Don't turn the radio on. Don't turn the radio on. Just, just take that 10, 15 minutes when you have a little drive to work in the morning and just spend time seeking him. Spend time putting on that breastplate of righteousness and making him your dwelling place, right? If you don't have a commute, I would encourage you, instead of reaching for your phone the first thing in the morning, uh, I tell people all the time that those phones, that they'll tell you lies. But my friend Steve Farrar said, spend time reading and receiving the truth every morning because the world will only lie to you the rest of the day. Seek him, dwell with him, and delight in him. So the next question we would come up with, ways we misuse the breastplate. So, so how, how are ways that we don't get the full effect and the full power of this breastplate of righteousness? Well, carelessness, right? If, if, I, if I go into battle and I'm just going to misuse this and be careless with how I'm using this arm, it's not going to protect my vital organs. If, I, if I'm just, uh, let's go to battle. Come on, buddy. Let's do this. Right? It's going to destroy me. First Peter 5.8 says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like it like a uh, lion looking for someone to devour. Like, think about that. Like, like, I always crack up when this generation wants to tell me, Adam, the, the Bible doesn't say you can't smoke marijuana. It doesn't say anything. And plus, cannabis is natural. God created it. He grew it. Smoke on. And I'm like, dude, you're a knucklehead. Because the THC level in marijuana, there's no way you can smoke that and be sober-minded. All right? And Scripture makes it crystal clear. Mom and Dad, here's your verse for marijuana, Okay? Be sober-minded and self-control for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. You don't ever want to hear a lion roar in your life because it's too late. Because lions never roar after they kill their prey. If they did, they'd attract other hyenas and predators, and they don't want to share their, their kill. A lion roars after it's caught, ate, and devoured its prey. So don't allow the slow fade in your life to get to a point where a lion may roar. All right. The second one is unbelief. So you're like, well, I don't believe this is going to protect me, so I don't need it. I'm going to get rid of that. Well, the young man in Mark 9, 24 prays, God, I believe, just help my unbelief. 
I believe that you died on the cross. Just help my unbelief. I believe that you created this universe. Just help my unbelief. Same prayer. The third one is abusing grace. Right? Romans 6, 1 through 2. What does this mean? Should we continually go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul answers his own question. By all means, no. No, you don't just keep sinning and living in sin because you think grace may abound. No, you, you know what to do. You ought to do it. You walk in obedience. You walk in the scripture. You walk in truth. And when you do blow it, you repent. And ask God, hey, God, I'm sorry I blew it. Thank you. I need your righteousness that I can't earn on myself. Because the reality is I didn't have to remind any of you in here to sin this morning. You already did that with your argument with your spouse on the way to church. That, that was easy. I did not need to remind you. None of you need that reminder. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel every morning. That is the reminder we need. The, the, the last one is disobedience. They didn't get to experience God's wrath and, and God's joy and God's salvation and God's Sabbath because they walked in disobedience. And, and, when, and when, when we're careless, when we, we lack belief, when we abuse grace and we're disobedient, we misuse this. We, 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 we can't lose it. We, but, but there is something about Scripture telling us to put this on. And so you flip all of that. You're careful. You have belief. You appreciate grace and you walk in obedience. This strengthens the effect that the breastplate of righteousness will have in our lives and protect your vital organs, specifically your heart. Here's another quote that I wanted to share with you guys. When we tolerate sin, refuse to forgive, rely on personal righteousness or allow earthly concerns to crowd out time for an intimate relationship with God, that could just be work. Work's not an evil thing. But, but can it crowd out time for an intimate relationship with God? We, in effect, take off the breastplate of righteousness, minimizing its power to protect us. When, when we get caught up in the world and politics and everything else and get our eyes, that's exactly what the enemy, he, he loves what he's doing to our country right now. He absolutely loves. He got us so fixated on politics and and theories and everything else that our eyes are so far off our savior that it's minimizing the power to protect us in our life he loves it you guys he absolutely loves where he's got this country right now him being the devil but she's like no 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 no. spend time with me sit at my feet put on the most bowed up awesome breastplate of righteousness helmet of salvation shield of faith sword of the spirit feet fitted with the rottenness of the truth the belt of truth, that you could put i want to bow you up I want you to feel like you do after watching that intro video that you're ready to go out to battle and fight this thing, right? And not only that, you're not fighting alone. Do you know you have angels fighting on your behalf? There's a spiritual forces of evil and there's literally angels fighting on your behalf and my behalf. There is a spiritual war out there. If you think this is a war just between America and our politics, you're crazy. This is much greater than Democrat or Republican. Much greater. There's a spiritual war going on. And that's why Paul says, put on this armor of God. Who cares what the Romans wore? This armor I'm talking to you about is way better than any armor the richest colony in the world could have ever produced at the time. Period. Our own armor will never save us in battle. That is why we must put on the armor of God. It won't save you. Your own efforts, your own work, it will not save you. It can't save you. Only Christ and Christ alone and his work on the cross will ever save you or I. And the beautiful news is it doesn't matter how you walked in here today or it doesn't matter where you're sitting on the couch watching this right now. It doesn't matter where you're at. 
There's no one who's too far. There's no past, present, or future sin of yours that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. None. And so I want to close with this illustration. A friend of mine just moved up from Texas. Any Texans in here? Yep. You always hear them. You know they're in the room. You always know. Right? They think they're their own country already. Uh, so a buddy of mine moved up from Texas, and I was getting his room ready. And so I was moving furniture, and I wanted to surprise him and have everything unpacked for him before he got up here. And I unpacked this piece of furniture. And, and like, okay, maybe, am I the only guy in here that doesn't read directions? I'm just curious. Thank you for being honest, my guy. Yeah, yeah. you, you just pull it out, you put it together, and you're like, oh, sweet. They left me some extras in case I lose any pieces. That's awesome. That's perfect. And, and, I, and I don't. I just, I, I figure it out. That's what this man does. I won't say all men, but I don't just don't read directions. And so I put it together. It's great. And I put the whole thing together. All the pieces were used. Everything was together. This piece of furniture was perfectly put together. And then I reach in the box and there's another box within the box (laughs) taped up and everything. And I said, what in the world? This is the original box. This is the same exact box I'm referring to when I unpack the furniture for my friend. I started shaking. I'm like, there's nothing in this box. What, why in the world did they put a box within the box? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And I started looking at the box, and I realized, oh my gosh. They literally put this box in that box just to fill a void so that the furniture didn't move around when they shipped it. Well, when you're a preacher, everything becomes an illustration. (laughs) And I said, the only purpose of this box was literally to fill a void that was within the box. It was there. That's the only reason it was there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today with every passionate fiber of my being that there is nothing in your life apart from Christ that will fill that void in your heart. You can't drink enough alcohol. You can't pop enough pills. You can't find somebody of the opposite sex. There's nothing in your life that will fill that void. Apart from Christ. And you can keep trying. And let's be honest with each other. Because I love to be honest. You'll still wake up the next morning. And realize that that void is still there. That it's still unfulfilled. Because there's only one thing in this world. That can fill that void that is in your life. And it's not a box. It's the person and man of Jesus Christ. And within every single one of us, there's this God-shaped hole in our heart that the only perfect piece that fits in there is Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And the only way you or I get to go to battle with this breastplate of righteousness thrust upon us is by trusting him as our Lord and Savior. And once you do, you'll wake up realizing that void you had in your life is filled and you'll have more purpose and joy than you've ever... I haven't looked back in 21 years. I finally realized the only thing that could fill that void for me was Jesus. And guess what? He hasn't disappointed. He hasn't let me down. He's fulfilled everything and it's seeping out. There's not only no voids anymore, it's overflowing that void. So I don't know how you came in here today. I know we have a phenomenal prayer team in a prayer room. And I know you're not going to earn your own righteousness. That you can't walk into the presence of Jesus one day and say, Hey, I want to come to heaven because I'm righteous. No, no one is righteous, not even one. Christ in Christ alone fills that void in your life. Christ in Christ alone puts that breastplate of righteousness on you so that you can produce and manifest fruit in your life. So if you want to pray... If if you don't want to walk out of here wondering if you get to put on the breastplate of righteousness, please join our prayer team. It is the best decision you will ever make in your life. I mean that with everything I got. Pray with me.
Father God, thank you so much for this team, for this family, for you and your cross. That, that When, God, you look at us, you don't see all my junk. You don't see all our yuckiness. But, God, you see the imputed righteousness of your son. Holy cow, that's amazing, God. Thank you for that. I pray for the people in this church. I pray for the people viewing online. I pray for people all over this country that you'd stir a revival in the hearts of men and women, that this country would turn back to you and turn to you and repent before you and give you our hearts. Thank you, that's all you want, that we don't have to try harder or do more, but you just want our hearts, Lord. We thank you for that. It's in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said.